Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. My name is Jeanette. And I'm Miro. This is the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. And if you are coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Just like a side note, the reason why there's not a lot of (laughs) uploads is because I got a job. And since I edit these episodes, that's why... Yeah. It's been delayed a yeah, few times. there have been some delays. Yeah. yeah. Today, we are going to be talking about the 2016 action thriller film, I Am Wrath. Um, yeah, I Am Wrath uh, was directed by Chuck Russell, written by Paul Sloan, and the story is by uh, Ivan uh, Gauthier, I believe is how his last name is pronounced. Yeah. And the tagline for the movie is a former CIA operative seeks out vengeance on the men who murdered his wife and his cor- uh, and the corrupt cops who protected them. Mm-hmm. We received the information for this podcast from Wikipedia, IMDb, Common Sense Media, Rotten Tomatoes, and Bible Rap. So in terms of the cast, uh, you had John Travolta as Stanley Hill. You may know him from Pulp Fiction, Grease, Look Who's Talking, Saturday Night Fever, and Battlefield Earth. Yeah, and of course Face Off. Oh yeah. And Swordfish. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's been in a bunch of uh, classic movies. Yeah, and like Wild Hogs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone remembers that. Um, And then we have Christopher Maloney as Dennis. Uh, You may know him from Law & Order, SVU, Happy, Runaway Bride, and Wet Hot American Summer. And now he's like doing, he's going back to Law & Order because he he went away to shoot Happy. Mm -hmm. But now he's going going back to Law & Order, but it's for organized crime or something like that. Oh, okay. So it's like a different like sub. um, Oh, so he has less uh, gruesome cases to deal with, I guess. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm assuming because SVU like deals with like sexual assault and like very like intense crime. And I think organized crime is a little like, I guess less. Maybe he deals with like mob members or gangs. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Pon Sloan as Lemmy K. I uh, may know him from the Scorpion King um, as Soldier. What? Yeah, that was literally the famous role. He, that, that was that his was role. his famous he was the, role. He was a soldier in yes the Scorpion King. Yes. Okay. But he plays uh, the bad guy in this film, so I had to bring up something. Yeah. And all of his like roles in the past were very indie films that no one saw or just random short films and this was the closest to some form of like well-known film yeah just based off of his imdb page it looks like he does like you know those like b-list movies that are like straight to uh vod at this point yeah you know he he mostly does those which is what this movie is too so yeah of course Mm -hmm. uh he is also the screenwriter uh for this film Mm -hmm. just so you know yeah (laughs) uh next we have sam trammell as detective gibson you may know him from true blood cocked 
and Ah Wilderness, which is a play. Yeah. <laughs> and I put that up there because he was nominated for a Tony, so that's why. Oh, okay. for wanted... for that play. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So I wanted to note that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next we have Patrick Saint Espirits as Governor John Meserve. 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 Yeah. Uh, you may know him from The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, War Dog, and The Fate of the Furious. What? Yes. The Fate of the Furious. Wait, who was he in Fate of the Furious? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, he's like the guy that's like the bad general in some movies. You yeah. Know? He's, he's mostly he's that He's either role. that or he's like one of the people that works for the FBI or something Yeah, like he's that. like, this is our jurisdiction, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another person in this film is Luis Da Silva as Charlie, a.k.a. Fly Lewis. Mm-hmm. And when I mean fly, I mean like the actual fly, not like I'm so fly fly. You know oh, really? I mean? Yes. Oh. Fly. Like. Yeah, he's like, you know, the gangster guy in the movie. Is yeah. that why? Was yeah. It like his he's the guy nickname? with like the tattoo of a fly, which is kind of funny because I guess they couldn't put a teardrop, maybe? I'm not sure. What the heck? You may know him from 21 Jump Street. Gotti, which was also a John Travolta film, yeah. and the Brave One, and Fast Five. So another person who works in fa- the Fast and Furious franchise. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I can. I mean, I can totally see him in that. It's just weird because he's like getting kind of cool roles while being like that stereotypical Mexican guy. Well, I would say, like, he's kind of like that one guy from the Avengers that was, like, a field agent or something, where you know him in a lot of movies, yeah. but he just plays either supporting roles or just cameos of some sort. Sure, yeah. So I feel like that he's going that route, too, Mm -hmm. where he probably plays a couple, you know, roles either as a bad guy or like just some guy <laughs> yeah so we just saw a picture of him with john travolta and then some weird guy that's like in the, in the yeah middle. in the middle it's very very unsettling look it up on imdb yeah the photos yeah uh next up we have uh amanda Scholl as abby hill uh, you'll know him from Center Stage, J. Edgar, 12 Monkeys, the TV show, uh, Project Christmas Wish, uh, which was a Hallmark movie. Yeah. And then uh, we have Rebecca de Mornay. Yes. Uh, Mornay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Rebecca de Mornay uh, as Vivian Hill. She was in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Identity, Jessica Jones, the TV show, and Risky Business. And just so you know, Rebecca is actually the villain in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. She's um, the villain in that. That's why I put that up. Gotcha. Um, and I guess that's like her most notable lead role, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah interesting. Because like, um, I don't remember her from Jessica Jones, really. It says that she played Dorothy Walker in that, but I don't remember yeah. that, that character really well. What about Lucifer? Uh, Lucifer? Yes, I agree. Let's see. Penelope. Oh, uh, that is the female detective's mother. 
Uh, uh, she plays the female detective's mother, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in terms of development, the film was originally going to be directed by William Fredkin and star Nicolas Cage in September 2012. Oh my god. So for those of you who don't know who William Fredkin is, he is an Oscar-winning director widely known for directing The Exorcist and The French Connection. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just so you guys know. Yeah, and he's directing this? Yeah, and Nicolas Cage is, of course, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. You don't really need to. Yeah. Uh, so, however, due to several shooting delays and production problems, both Cage and Fredkin had to leave the project. Mm, and in late February uh, 2015, John Travolta joined as the lead, with Chuck Russell joining as director. Now, Chuck Russell is known for directing the score, the Scorpion King. Oh God! The Dwayne the Rock Johnson no. film, Eraser, which was the famous '90s film that had Arnold Schwarzenegger and I think Vivica A. Fox. Was it good? Oh yeah, it was really good. I okay. mean, like it it grossed to like uh, two hundred fifty eight million uh-huh. at the time, and I think it was on like a one hundred million budget. Yeah. Uh, the Mask, the Jim Carrey film. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And the 1988 remake of The Blob. Now, The Blob, um, it wasn't a success in the beginning. The but, remake, yeah. But it became a cult following. Yeah, for sure. I've so. seen it. Uh, okay, this is kind of weird because like this, all of this stuff that we just mentioned is better than this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like how well i mean like i can understand because after i am wrath he went on to direct two indie films and when i mean indie films i don't mean like independent films i meant like indie films from india oh yeah like bollywood films i don't think they were bollywood films i think they're just um kind of just Indian films, like, you know, films shot in India or having some form of, you know, Indian culture. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, So by March 9th, 2015, principal photography began. Yeah. Uh, Now, the film obviously has similarities to the 2014 film John Wick, and... um, it's probably one of amongst the millions of films that came out once John Wick came out. Yeah, it's like a John Wick copy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So both MCs, main characters, are retired from their previous jobs after they found the love of their lives. Yep. Both of them return uh, back to their previous jobs because of an event that caused the death of someone they cared about. So with John Wick, it was the Beagle, but yeah. then that had connection to his wife. And then with I Am Wrath, it's his wife. They just skipped the Beagle. They're like, no, fuck <laughs> yeah. the Beagle. We're just going to go straight wife. Yeah. And both characters uh, hide their secret identity from the audience at the beginning, but they reveal what they actually did and who they worked for mm-hmm. over the course of the film. Yeah. 
Uh, both characters must break a part of their house in order to retrieve the weapons. So course. with John Wick, there's a cement floor in the basement, and I Am Wrath has a wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can you guys please stop copying it shot for shot? Like, I think after the like first 30 minutes, I was like, okay, it's a shot for shot remake of John Wick with a different skin on it. Yeah. Uh, both have someone who helps them out with weapons or acts as a backup. Yeah. Uh, both end up getting the revenge they sought after. Now, despite the similarities, I Am Wrath doesn't violate the uh, Writers Guild of America code. Mm-hmm. In order for uh, I Am Wrath to violate the WGA code, mm-hmm. it would basically have to be almost identical, like literally identical. And needs to have evidence that both teams, you know, both production or either a writer and a director or a producer has Mm. made contact before I Am Wrath was in development. Mm. So kind of like uh, what what Women Want that had that whole like situation where the screenwriter wrote it talk to Nancy Myers and then Nancy Myers end up making a film similar to what women want without giving credit to the writer that she was talking to yeah that type of thing Mm. but because it is in a different setting and we'll explain about that yeah uh, (laughs) and the main character is older and has a kid yeah it comes off more as friends with benefits to no strings attached Mm -hmm. where they're like similar they have like a similar theme they have like similar scenarios yeah but they're completely different like ants in life uh a bug's life yeah yeah exactly the title of the movie comes from Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 11, and it states, Therefore, I am full of wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Pour it out upon the children in the streets and upon the gathering of young men. Both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very age. Which I'm like, whoa, this is... That just sounds like, just go bang everyone you can see it's like you know that count that white stuff that comes out of your penis just like spray it all over everyone i am full of the wrath of the lord uh yeah pour it out on the little kids in the street oh that's what it says pour it out upon the children i know but it's just like we're just modernizing it we're just making it hit yeah so the film's tagline, I lay my vengeance upon them, is a direct reference to the line spoken by the great Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and they're like, oh guys, remember when John Travolta was in this other better movie where a different character said a similar line? Hey, remember, remember that? Yeah, remember that time when he actually made a really good comeback? Uh, let's go back to, to that. that. Yeah. <laughs> So most of the film was shot in Bexley, Ohio, which is an upper-class suburb in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. The scenes in the hospital were shot in the old James Cancer Hospital at OSU campus. And when I say OSU campus, I don't mean Oklahoma State University. I mean Ohio State University. Uh, Okay. (laughs) 
Just so you guys yeah, know. Yeah, gotcha. Um, the nightclub action sequence was filmed at Axis Nightclub, which is a popular gay nightclub in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> That's so, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny because John Travolta is known Yeah. It's for like a closet of gay. Yeah, he, it's like an open secret that yeah. he's he's gay. And it's kind of funny because I bet that was like his idea too. He's like, guys, I know, I know, a club we could do that. <laughs> I imagine the director being like, but where are we gonna find somewhere in like Ohio to shoot this club scene? And John Tro was like, I know the place. I know where we can find it. Uh, I know exactly where we can go. The film was also shot in Cleveland, Ohio, and surprisingly in Alabama. And the funny part of this film is when Christopher Maloney was interviewed about this movie, his response was, I gave a good three minutes. <laughs> and we talk about when we think the good three minutes are. I know. We were like, is it is it this dialogue? No, no. it probably can't. Is it this part? Yeah, no. Is it this speech? Is it this action scene? Yeah. Which one is it? Which were the good three minutes? I know it definitely wasn't when he was falling down the stairs. I definitely know that. <laughs> uh, the film has a Rotten Tomato rating of 11%, fresh based on nine reviews, with only one of them being fresh. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and it was this uh, um, reporter from the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> and oh, it has it a... It was probably like one of their friends yeah. or something. Yeah, and it has a weighted score of 3 hour 10. Oh. Uh, so, a New York Times reporter, Neil Genslinger, wrote that the film was trying to be a revenge, buddy, spiritual crisis, political corruption movie, causing it to get lost in itself. Which I agree. Uh, maybe. I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that gives the movie too much credit. Oh, really? Yeah, because I feel like they were just like, okay, what is every single cliche that we can do? Yeah. For example, in the revenge genre, right? Like, or spiritual crisis. And they didn't do anything new in any of those subcategories. So it was like, they were like, okay, uh, let's see, John John Wick had... Uh, this for the revenge and this other movie had that thing for revenge so let's pick this thing for revenge it's like the same thing uh it's not like they changed it up like john there were plenty of revenge movies before john wick but john wick like freshened it up by like making it not about the wife which this movie is cliche about the wife um you know made it cool like made the fight scenes cool yeah they basically made him be able to be really good at shooting people yeah 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 they like made him cool yeah you know which now every movie's trying to do that which doesn't work cuz it's not different enough it's like okay we saw that in three movies with John Wick and yeah. all the other with a fourth one coming yeah some way exactly um yeah so uh and other people would um argue that uh it's a taken copy as well and um it's nearly unwatchable and it's like utterly uh predictable and john travolta's commitment to play a vengeful husband is like not there 
Yeah. Well, because, like, I think it... Because I remember it seemed like that he was trying really hard to, like, be like, yeah, I'm, like, in this role, in in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But he can't, like, emote those things. No, because he is known for being a good guy. I mean, like, I would say Face Off was probably his best villain, but that was because he was supposed to... He was pretty, like, villainous in Swordfish, too. I mean... It, I, it's been a while since I've seen a Swordfish, oh, okay. so I haven't. I only know yeah. Hugh Jackman had a earring. That's all I remember. Oh, okay. And Haley Berry was in it. That was basically it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone remembers Halle Berry was in that movie. I mean, I know there was that one scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he um, he doesn't feel like he needs that, to get revenge that badly. Yeah. You know? Like with John Wick, again, we're going to keep comparing these movies with, like, John Wick. You can see him, like, loving the dog and then how much, how upset he is when he loses the dog. So you're like, okay, I know exactly how he's feeling. But with this movie, it's like, oh, like, did they even like each other? Like, who are these people? Do I even know them? Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, for example, also in, like, Taken, Liam Neeson gives that speech that really makes you believe that he cares yeah because like his his daughter is taken by some unknown person yeah and all he knows is like the phone call and like her location yeah like in terms of you know and so he's like yeah like this is my only child yeah i'm going to find you and kill you yeah 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 and this movie doesn't have that like scene i feel like yeah Alright, so let's, uh, let's start with a summary of the movie. So, uh, the movie starts off with a montage of uh, anchors reporting high crime rate <laughs> and the officer-involved uh, shootings being on the rise. Yeah, which is kind of funny because it was like a mixture of... It's obviously shot in the 90s. Yeah. Like, just some of the, uh, the real-life car chases, it, you could tell it was... From the 90s. Like stock footage from 90s yeah. or something? Uh-huh. And then there were a couple ones. Like, there was this one where this guy uh, gets pulled over and he's on a motorcycle. Yeah. And then the cop immediately pulls out the gun. And it's like, dude, like, that's, like, against protocol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just saying, usually you'll just be like, hey, can you, like, turn off your engine and step out? Step yeah off the motorcycle yeah not to immediately pull out a gun yeah (laughs) yeah and some of it like like you said it looked like it was staged yeah yeah and i don't remember exactly was like but was like the camera quality different i feel like i remember that like ever like it was just weird because you had the stock footages of like the real life yeah and then the stage stuff was like completely different quality yeah yeah and then you have the reporters that they are either at the anchor desk or then they're like on scene or on site of the shooting. Yeah. And it's like, dude, like if you're an anchor, you wouldn't go back. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like Brian Williams, like, you know, reporting from like freaking like Saudi Arabia yeah, yeah. or, you know. For sure. <laughs> Where it's like, yes, this is obviously because I'm the fucking anchor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no one goes back to just being a field reporter. reporter yeah. Mm-mm. I don't know. That was, the, that was the one thing that I was like, this this 
does not make sense. Yeah. And we're already like five seconds into Yeah, we're like, oh my god, this movie's already ruined. <laughs> so then it cuts to Governor Misserve. Yeah. Um, he makes a speech in front of the Ohio Capitol building, claiming that his team cut crime, um, the crime rate in half, and kicked out all the gangs out of the neighborhood. So, like, there's no gangs. Oh, wow. No gangs. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, a random person, after, like, you know, the crowd, like, cheers and, you know, people Yeah, which, holding... it, that looks so sad, too. Yeah. There's, like, three people in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. So, a random person in the crowd asked um, the governor about the pipeline causing a small crowd in the back holding up signs protesting against the pipeline. So, I think I'm assuming this is in reference to the Keystone Pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the governor argues that the pipeline will cause an economic boom for the state and will provide jobs. And he also notes that he understands about the concern uh, for drinking water, causing him to bring up uh, his team to have a commission with his own research about the pipeline for safety, which is kind of funny because if you're saying with your own research team, that's really suspicious. For sure. And, like, uh, it's really funny because he almost feels like he doesn't care like he's like yeah we're gonna do our own thing our own research like don't worry about it it's under control and then of course we know later yeah yeah Yeah. uh so meanwhile a young woman named abby uh watches the live coverage of the speech at her house with her mormon husband michael and i say mormon husband because every time you see him he has a white Uh, button-up shirt and a tie oh wow (laughs) so i'm like yeah the mormon husband Husband, yeah (laughs) abby is with her mormon husband and their Mm -hmm. loud kid james (laughs) Uh who's just like yelling really loud so abby notifies her mom vivian who's in another room but is next it's like nearby to hear her she tells her it's like oh like she's he's talking about you but vivian is like no like i'm only hired to check the numbers Mm -hmm. and it's like okay like whatever yeah uh so later that night stanley john travolta arrives at the airport and meets up with vivian and then it's implied that they're a married couple Mm -hmm. he asks her about how the meeting with her boss went but then she ignores him and asks him about the job interview he had. So they walk to uh, the parking garage and find Vivian's SUV with a flat tire. Uh, Stanley decides to change the tire just as a man uh, stops by and asks Vivian for some money to pay for parking. Uh, immediately, Stanley refuses to give him cash and yeah. orders Vivian to ignore the guy, yeah. even though she's already pulling out her wallet and about to like give him um, some, you know, bills. Yeah. So the man becomes upset and argues with Stanley as two unknown men show up, and they knock Stanley out and. The first guy then takes the wife, Vivian, and, like, stabs her. But he does this awkward, like, high-angle stab. It was really weird. Like, who stabs like that? Yeah, it's like, 
it, it I guess like they were trying to show like oh yeah this is where the knife is and yeah but it, it just makes it very awkward uh so later the group of men flee the scene in a car as Stanley holds Vivian's body and again there's no blood oh we we forgot to say of course the guy that like stabs her is the guy with the fly tattoo yeah you know he looks he's like all like mexican gangster looking you know yeah uh so hours later stanley is in the office of detective gibson the person who's investigating his wife's murder Mm -hmm. so at first gibson questions if stanley really knew uh what the killer looked like to which stanley gives him a look and says yeah (laughs) (laughs) and stanley also tells him the exact model the killer drove away in Mm -hmm. and then when gibson kind of gives him a look he he claims that he's worked with cars before he's like some mechanic at a honda dealership Uh gibson leaves the room as his partner detective walker enters the room to question stanley on the status of the relationship with his wife because he's kind of you know in this whole idea that stanley might have been abusive to his wife and yeah they're basically trying to see if he killed her yeah and you know, then he's like insinuation yeah and then he's like no why would i kill my wife and, yeah and then he was like are you married and he was like yeah but i'm diver- divorced or something and he's yeah. like you you don't know what it's like losing a wife and it's like okay like yeah. <laughs> kind of out of nowhere yeah so a couple of days later stanley bids goodbye to vivian at her funeral and this is at a church probably about 30 minutes before the ceremony starts yeah and abby stops by and comforts stanley but he says that he has to leave before Vivian's friends arrive, claiming that he is not religious and doesn't want to be around her friends. Mm-hmm. Which also is like, okay, I get it, but it's like, come on, it's your wife's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> At least be like generous. hang around. Yeah. Because it's a little suspicious. You're like, I gotta leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, police was just thinking that you killed your wife. Like, maybe you should hang around for the funeral. Yeah. So as he leaves, the priest stops and ask him to stay and then when stanley refuses the priest hands him his bible and rosary and stanley says i don't pray i don't go to church that often and the priest states that's why i'm giving it to you (laughs) (laughs) so shit (laughs) that's why i'm giving it to you (laughs) so stanley just takes it and leaves back at the capitol reporters question governor uh, Maserve about the murder and the environment's impact of the pipeline. Now, just a side note, it starts off with like a a couple of like white blonde uh, female reporters, yeah, like following him, and then all of a sudden, like one um, brunette woman mm-hmm. comes in, and then like a couple of random guys come in. Yeah. It, it was just weird. It was like the way they came into the shop. Yeah, because or... like they had uh, the blonde women like following him yeah. as like he's walking, and then they get up to this one section, and then all of a sudden, just awkwardly, the other people just like merge into the 
like uh, shots yeah. like that's how awkward it was oh. and you could tell like uh especially the guy reporters like they were just wearing like casual clothing and they're over here like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm like are you a blogger yeah, like, like what's are, happening uh, did you just find a mic off the street and you ran over here like yeah <laughs> so uh so back to the uh, governor he he says that he's giving thoughts and prayers um for vivian and her family yeah. and promises justice for her and uh the setting then cuts to stanley watching the report he turns off the uh tv takes a swig of his drink um and then angrily throws the bible across the room yeah and then he pauses and picks up the bible which reveals that it landed on a page with a quote i am full of wrath of the lord yeah and i cannot hold it in yeah <laughs> yeah as we know as we learned earlier in the movie he needs to find kids young adults elders yeah and very old people, people yeah <laughs> so uh he puts the bible down as he, he receives a phone call from abby and she asks him if he is good and it, he does this weird thing where he tells her to get some rest. Yeah. And it's like, the, your wife just died. She was calling to tell you to get some rest. And he's just like, no, guys, I'm totally fine. I got this. Like, I'm, are you guys okay? I, I know my wife died, but are you guys okay? Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and it, and it seems that they live in different houses, which is kind of funny because... For Stanley's house, you only see his bedroom. So I'm assuming that they probably only had access to one house. So they're like, okay, let's just have the upstairs just for Stanley. Mm -hmm. You know, like in terms of sh shooting it. Yeah. And then downstairs is Abby's house. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. So the next day, Stanley comes back to the precinct as Gibbs and Walker notify him that they may have caught the guy and need to verify in a lineup and after a few minutes stanley picks charlie aka fly out of the lineup and he is the guy with a fly tattoo yeah, yeah. uh so despite gibson and walker arguing that it couldn't be him because they're like oh are you sure yeah. it wasn't him like you know i know like you were saying like it wasn't a fly you you thought it was a butterfly yeah. right like or something yeah they want to like guide him away from that guy yeah and even they were like no you may have you probably have blood covering your eye and and stanley confirmed that it's him yeah he's like no i'm i'm telling you guys i remember very clearly it's that guy yeah and like nah you yeah. don't sound like you no know. but the funny the funny part about it was like after stanley confirmed it was him gibson said okay stanley was like wait that's it yeah it's just okay he was like yeah 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 thank you for coming and you know participating in this <laughs> lineup that was it he just said okay yeah it's so weird <laughs> So, as Stanley sits near the entrance of the precinct, he finds Fly picking up his items and leaving the building. And then there's kind of, like, this, like, slow motion happening where Fly, like, kind of stares at Stanley and then gives him a wink yeah. before leaving 
the precinct. Yeah, of course he does. So Stanley, you know, gets upset and then argues to Gibson and Walker about why they're letting him go. But they state that there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they tell him to calm down, which caused Stanley to pull the I'm an angry dad stance where his arms are crossed and one of the arms is like a karate chop position. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, do you guys even know? Do you guys even know? Yeah, it's like, let yeah. me get this straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Stanley asks, when will they arrest him for the murders? To which they said it would take time and that Fly may die from an overdose because they they were like, oh, he's a drug dealer. He'll probably die of an overdose eventually. Yeah. He'll have a horrible life and die soon, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, they basically tried to make him be like oh like don't worry he like he'll get his up like come up and you know yeah because he's such a bad guy so stanley says okay and just leaves yeah <laughs> abby meets up with stanley at a diner where he tells her that fly is the killer and uh tells her that the police want nothing to do with it yeah. uh he leaves saying that he can't stay with her that night and then once at his bedroom, he mops around and listens to Vivian's voicemail. Because, like, he calls, like, the phone or something. And then it's her, you know, voicemail. Another cliche taken from yeah a bunch of movies, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he then opens the closet door and touches the back wall. <laughs> <laughs> Very sensually, by the way. Which is, like, is this, like, implying about his closeted gayness? Yeah. Is this Is this what we're really talking, talking about? about? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's in a closet, and he's touching the back wall. Oh, yeah. But he uh, stops himself, and he just leaves the room. Yeah. Uh, he then drives back to the airport and uh, downtown. Uh, while driving, he spots Fly on the streets then speeds away goes back to his house and starts breaking the wall down in the closet so all it took was he was like no no i'm not gonna do this and he goes out for a drive sees the bad guy and he's like nah i think i'm gonna do it and he like goes back starts breaking down the back wall of the closet yeah uh he takes out a uh, box uh wrapped in a black trash bag which did not look nearly as cool as John Wiggs did. No. Uh, he opens up the bag and calls Dennis, the right, his right-hand man, during the time of his previous work. Uh, Dennis answered saying, I heard about Vivian, you know? Yeah. Because he's the cool guy, so he's like, he's like, oh, I already know about Vivian. And then Stanley tells him that he just needs the names. It then cuts to the next day when Stanley goes to a barber shop after the sign turned like got flipped to close mm. uh stanley enters and takes a cigarette from a pack before dennis cuts the cigarette in half and states there's no smoking in the shop yeah and he does it with like the razor right yeah, yeah. it's like the sharp race razor and then stanley St sorry stanley is like well why do you have it out and it's like mm, you know yeah and then they have, like, a small conversation where Stanley brings up uh, St. Paula uh, before asking if Dan... Sorry. Before asking if Dennis is mad at him. Yeah. And after a couple, couple shaves, Stanley's right side of his face is completely <laughs> shaved off 
after yeah because <laughs> like it's he's work clean yeah because he's working on his left side and then after a couple of shaves his right side is completely like shaved, shaved. yeah <laughs> and then they're like okay done <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Dennis then confronts him that he's only going after the men because he wants vengeance, not justice. And once Stanley admits, Dennis hands him the information on the guys, claiming that Stanley should not pursue this since they're both old and out of the game for years. Stanley ignores him and takes the files and leaves. Yeah. So later that night, he checks on the files and heads to the tavern where one of, of the guys is dealing the guy hands his lady friend uh vivian's purse which also it wasn't implied like it was just weird it, it, it wasn't shown that they took her yeah purse. it was just another one of those like things to trigger him yeah like he sees the purse and stanley just all of a sudden, like, just looks at him, like, serious. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, Stanley is wearing this, like, hooded, yeah. like, like what, jacket? Yeah, it almost looked like a hooded, like, leather jacket almost. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because usually people with hooded jackets yeah. at a bar, it's going to be obvious. And I feel like that the bar person... Everyone would be like, hey, can you take your hood off? This is kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah. Be like, yeah, this is inappropriate. Please, like, take off your hood. <laughs> so the guy notices Stanley and takes one of the pool balls yeah. and then, like, aims it, like, across the bar top. Yeah. Hits it. And then it flies to Stanley's drink, drink yeah. and it shatters it. And Stanley's like, whoa! <laughs> right? It's like, it, was, oh. it was so insane. It's like, first of all, how did he even do that shot? Yeah. How did this glass explode into a trillion pieces? And what was that reaction from John Travolta? Oh my god. Well, I think it was a stuntman, but I think it was just bad like directing for the stuntman. Yeah. Oh yeah. So stanley then looks at the guy and then they go like they literally run out of the bar to the back yeah just to go to the backyard basically of the tavern yeah it's like this empty lot behind the tavern yeah and um stanley's like he has his gun out and then he's like you know, looking around. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's homeless guys like, oh, don't shoot. Yeah. And then he just walks out of frame. Yeah, don't shoot. And then walks out. And then the guy that he's going for is actually behind him with his gun out pointing at Stanley's head. But Stanley takes the upper hand. So Stanley wants answers, but the guy says that he doesn't get it. Uh, like, you know, I, I just want to also clarify. I know this sounds a little bit confusing, right? Yeah. Like, we can't describe it very well. It's because it's shot very badly. Yes. Like, it's a bunch of, like, bad choreography where they're, like, swinging at random things. And the camera's cutting to, like, a million different parts. So yeah, we can't really describe to you what is current, like, what was happening on the screen because what was happening didn't make sense yeah so stanley asked him about fly's whereabouts but the guy refuses to answer 
Stanley was about to shoot the guy, but gets distracted by the sirens, and Dennis just shows up. Yeah. Saying, it's like, hey, you got three minutes. <laughs> and apparently three minutes is because it takes three minutes for authorities to arrive, it, I guess. Or someone knows and they'll be there in three minutes, but we never find out. Yeah. So while like Dennis and Stanley are having a couple argument in some way, uh, the man picks <laughs> that, up his gun. See, that's another thing that's like also played for com like comedic value of like, oh look, they're arguing like a uh, married couple, like uh, bad boys or whatever. Yeah. Right. And it's like, no, it doesn't work. You can't, fi- you can't mash all these movies together. <laughs> yeah. So as like the guy picks up his gun. Both Dennis and Stanley shoot him, and then they argue about who shot him first. So they carry the guy's body to the garbage can. Yeah. That just so happens to be right there. Yeah, just doesn't go garbage can. Yeah. So they blow up the garbage can just before a person, like just some random white guy, like finds like a hole in the fence and then takes a photo i think of his nokia phone oh like dude it's like fucking 2016 you couldn't get like an iphone yeah, too it's like, <laughs> he's like no i can't use my personal phone for this shoot so <laughs> um you guys gotta provide me a cell phone and they're like shit we don't have a cell phone yeah <laughs> i don't know uh, while eating at Buckeye's Donuts, mm-hmm. Dennis argues that uh, Stanley needs help, but Stanley refuses aid, claiming that he wants to do it alone. And then after some talk, Stanley agrees to let him join him. It's just weird. Like, like I would say, like, this conversation was, like, maybe two to five lines. And yeah. then he's like, okay, you can join me. Yeah. It's like, dude, like, shouldn't it be, like, you know, maybe a conversation or maybe multiple conversations. Yeah, or, you know, in a different spot, not like this. Like, yeah. Um, I feel like it happens before, uh, for, uh, what's his name? During John Wick, it happens before the first, like, confrontation. So he goes and talks to William Defoe, and William Defoe is like, okay, well, I'm not going to help you. It's none of my business. Uh, and then when John Wick goes in, that's when you find out, oh, William Defoe actually decided to help him after all. Yeah. So they should have done something like that rather than he already comes and helps him and then John Travolta is like, do you want to come with? And he's like, nah, I don't want to come with, you know? It's like he already came to help, so... Yeah. So meanwhile, the guy who took the photo from his Nokia phone goes to this nightclub um, to show the photo to Lemmy Kay, who is the drug lord of the city. Now, uh, the guy um, tells him that they killed Nathan, which is the guy that, you know, was at the bar. Yeah. Causing Lemmy to yell at him for not helping Nathan. Uh, Lemmy forgives him after the guy was like, oh, no, no. You know, I was like, I didn't know what to do. There were like two guys, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So he forgives him before sending one of his women to cut the guy's finger. And you could tell she wasn't literally cutting yeah. the finger. She just kind of did this and that's it. Yeah. Like, just, like, at least, like, have some, like... Yeah, like, make her do a face or something. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. Bend over, boom. Yeah. That's it. it was like, the lady was like, why am I doing this? You have henchmen for this. Why? Yeah. 
Also, like, out of all the guys, out of all the people in the room, you pick the person that probably doesn't have that strong of an arm to yeah. literally cut through human flesh yeah. and bone. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. As the junkie cries in pain, Lemmy asks uh, one of his men to find Stanley and Dennis. Yeah. Which, you know, again, one of another, like, cliche oh the henchman like forgives but he like takes a finger it's like oh so cliche like come on yeah so the next day uh abby and stanley have coffee at the same diner before and abby tells him that she wants to get rid of um her mom's stuff which is also very weird that she just like not even like two days after her mom died yeah she's already like oh i want to get rid of your you know mom's stuff stuff." yeah all her shit's in the way like she didn't even take any of it (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh i don't like it that they're all like scattered around in your house not in my house yeah i want it gone i wanted to donate it to the homeless shelter (laughs) please oh my god so uh she asks if she can use uh, his SUV uh, Stanley hesitates but lets her and then he also states uh, that an old friend is helping him with the grief and then just then Dennis messages Stanley via text and yeah. Stanley's like oh I gotta go yeah <laughs> oh my boyfriend's here I mean um, I gotta go <laughs> so Dennis takes Stanley down to the basement um, of his like barber shop uh, where it's revealed that he has this basement filled with weapons and body armor and even, like, a shooting range. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they test out the guns, which you could tell that they're acting because of the way that they recoil. Yeah. Like, they, they don't it, even it recoil, yeah, right? It doesn't, the sound didn't match with the gunfire either. No. As Dennis asked Stanley what would happen if he kills the men... To which Stanley's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they then get into the burner phone that Nathan had. Mm-hmm. And Stanley calls one of the phone numbers. And it turns out to be a tattoo parlor. Yeah. And then he's like, I've always wanted a tattoo. And then leaves. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny because they do this basically twice in the movie. Yeah. Where, like, they're waiting for a phone call or they call a phone and see who answers they do it twice and it's like guys once is enough (laughs) so meanwhile gibson and walker are sent to lemmy k who confronts them on why his men are being hunted uh he threatens them with the video of the governor's son with someone who overdosed in order for them to find the people in charge of nathan's death gibson meets up with the governor who informs him about someone going after Lemmy K's men. Mm-hmm. The governor orders Gibson to contain the situation if he wants to be the next police chief. Which also, if he's detective, I think he would have to go through multiple levels before becoming police chief. Mm-hmm. And then also, police chief is more of like a voting. Yeah, job. it's not some. It's not like something you apply for and you get like. Yeah. You get offered the job. Yeah. Uh, so it's very weird. So Stanley enters the tattoo parlor, parlor looking for Lars. 
which was the person that was on the phone. So as the tattoo guy drafts this design for Stanley, uh, Stanley mentions fly, causing the guy to be like, oh, you don't say, and then texts Lars. But then his text is very outdated because it says some, the number one, asking for the letter U, period, C-O-P? Yeah. Question mark, question mark. Like, who texts like that? Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy replies, keeping it in the chair on my way, which I'm like, okay, that's normal. Yeah. But it's just the first guy. It's like, dude, he had one job. It's like how people in, like, their 60s think kids text, you know? Yeah. Very, very outdated. Yeah. So Dennis tells Stanley, he's like, oh, like, my burglar alarm for my barbershop is going off. I had to head over there. So he heads over there, turns off the alarm, and turns on the lights where he notices someone um, on his chair. And then he's like, the locked door means we're closed. And Fly just turns around and says, and this guns means you're open. Open. And it's like, what the hell? What's going on? It's like, oh shit. Yeah. And I would say that this is like his three minutes that he did great. Yeah, this is like one of the parts where we thought this was it. This was his three minutes. So um, Fly and his his men hold him at gunpoint. Uh, asking Dennis to give Stanley's name. Uh, Dennis refuses to answer and basically starts uh, a fight. Someone hits Dennis's shin with a bat, uh, causing Dennis to blurt, that really hurt my leg. Yeah. No, it was more of like, that really hurt my leg. Yeah. <laughs> As he's, he's like stabbing yeah, in the chest. Yeah, with like each like beat. Yeah, he's like... Stab, 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 stab. <laughs> yeah, so Dennis kills all of Fly's men as uh, Fly basically flees the scene. Ha <laughs> ha. He fl- fly flies away. I don't know. Hours later, Lars enters the tattoo parlor as Stanley is getting his back tattoo done. Uh, Lars takes over and finishes the tattoo as Stanley mentions Fly. Yeah, because, you know, it's so easy to just, like, get in and in a tattoo shop and i'll just take over this tattoo don't worry about yeah, it like, I, i'll take like, it from let's here. avoid all the health and safety procedures yeah and then also you could tell that this actor doesn't know how tattoo works because yeah. he's just like scribbling yeah he's like moving his hand all over the place yeah. like drawing figure eights and shit yeah and it's like shouldn't you be like dabbing yeah <laughs> do you need ink sir do you yeah. need ink for that do tattoo you need that like you know, one cream that they put on as, like, they're working yeah. at the I'm just saying. I, I've seen, like, a bunch of clips of uh, Tattoo... What is it? Uh, Ink Master? Ink Master yeah. on YouTube, sir. I'm sure I know better than you at this point. Yeah, so uh, Lars takes over, and then yeah. Stanley starts mentioning Fly. Yeah. And then this is when Lars pulls out the gun and, and orders Stanley to get up. This is where it reveals a tattoo called I Am Wrath yeah. across his back. Oh my god. It's like the worst font. It looks horrible. It just says I Am Wrath in the in the top of his back. So Lord, Lars notices Stanley uh, and then they start another fight scene. 
Uh, Stanley attacks Lars, uh, causing him to lose his gun. Lars pulls out a sword, but Stanley puts him in a headlock, asking to, uh, asking him about Fly's whereabouts. Lars refuses and pulls Stanley's arm across his neck, causing the box cutter to slice his throat and kill him. Stanley takes Lars's phone and bag. Dennis and Stanley meet up at the garbage disposal landfill where they dump the dead bodies in a car before it goes into salvage. <laughs> and this is where, like, Stanley uh, shows him the bag of drugs that Lars had uh, with the idea of using it to lure Fly to them. Ha ha ha. If you get it, you catch more, uh... Oh, flies would shit? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, God, we'll just post up, it'll come to us. And the funny part is, as they're getting in, Dennis is like, Stan, be careful out there, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what? the fuck? Are I you feel just... like that was, like, improv <laughs> He was I like, think, I'm gonna improv this stand. Be careful point, out there. Yeah, I think at this point, Christopher Maloney is just like, yeah, like I'm just doing for a paycheck. But yeah. just like, you guys got me for another three hours. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Stanley goes back home to clean his wounds uh, and maybe take care of that tattoo on his back. Yeah, maybe. Because the guy didn't some... even finish the thing. No, he didn't even put saran wrap on yeah, it. It's like, the dude, there's probably infections already. Yeah. And then uh, he starts looking at home videos of Vivian and Abby. Uh, he thinks back t- uh, to flashbacks of Vivian uh, as he's watching the movies. Um, the next day, he goes to church to ask Vivian to tell him to- when to stop. And this <laughs> is, is kind of funny. Yeah, and yeah. Th- this is where the priest shows up and like kind of sits next to him. Yeah, and they start talking. Uh, Stanley tells him that he did some bad things in the past and as if the actions he did caused Vivian to get killed, um, which is like kind of a big question. And then the priest brings up Jesus' death and tells him uh, that the actions he did may have been forgiven by now. Uh, Stanley then makes a confession right uh, in the pews of the priest right next to him. Which is also funny because I'm like, shouldn't he be talking about this like in a confession room? Like, yeah. I know that the priest already knows like it's him, but it's like. I don't know, just for, like, procedures? Like, I mean, I'm Yeah, not... isn't there, like, a procedure to this in the church? Like, don't they have to be in those and, like, not see each other or something? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like, even though they know or have some idea of, like, who this person is that's, you know, asking for forgiveness, it's like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So, so meanwhile, Abby and Mormon Mike enter Stanley's house without his permission and then without the alarm going off too so they go into his house and then they pick up her mom's belongings which turns out to just be a few boxes (laughs) and then they just put it in the trunk of the suv yeah and as they pull out of the driveway fly makes a drive-by shooting uh and shoots the car off before fleeing the scene so stanley just makes it right Right after the incident, uh, finding Mike injured with a gunshot wound into his shoulder. So Stanley apologizes to them and, you know, calls the police, like, for aid. Yeah. But Abby becomes furious, saying that the shots were meant for Stanley and that the men may go after her and Mm -hmm. her son. 
And it's like, okay, just fucking leave the town. Yeah, it's like the other cliche of like, oh my god, I put my family in danger. You know? Especially Mormon Mike. You know, he's got a lot of houses to, you know, visit and talk about the Lord. Yeah, he's got a mission. Uh, Later that night, Governor uh, Meserve gets a call from Gibson who informs him about the unknown man. R. Stanley and Dennis. Mm-hmm. Meserve orders Gibson to deal with it and get professionals to finish the job because apparently he can't do it by his himself. So it cuts back to Lemmy Kate in a private room surrounded by a shit ton of tapestries and Persian music playing in the background. Yeah, it was really weird. It's like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Where is this? Like, I wonder if this is just like a hallway of the nightclub you know they're yeah. like okay this looks really ugly we gotta put a bunch of tapestries to make it look like it's cool yeah <laughs> so uh two women dance in front of him while one of them give him a massage and then he gets word that the tattoo parlor got hit so then <laughs> he calls fly and orders him to find a shipment and then just then, Stanley and Dennis text Fly that they have the stash and that they would meet him, meet up with him. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because they're they're in, back in the basement uh, underneath the barber shop, mm-hmm. and then it kind of looks like that they're like two little girls being like, "Oh, why don't we like text? You know, yeah. I just want to text." And then like Dennis is like, "Oh, what do you say? What do yeah. you say?" <laughs> Like having a sleepover. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> they go to this place called House of Seoul. Yeah, and when I mean Seoul, I mean like South Korea Seoul. And then yeah. the and then Dennis makes a comment like, "Oh yeah, I love Korean food." <laughs> and Stanley's like, "When did you start eating Korean food?" It's like, "Oh, you know." Like, yeah, you know, because this is the kind of conversations that like best friends have. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start? When when did you start eating Korean food, eh? Uh, you little rascal, you. So Dennis heads to the bar and kind of, it's like in an area of like the nightclub where if he looks up, he'll see the VIP room. So he's like watching, keeping an eye on the VIP room, and then notices Fly, um, like kind of like outside yeah. of the vip room so he's like oh go inside the vip room yeah. so he does that and then he texts stanley he's like okay he's in like come on in and of course stanley has a fucking hoodie on yeah for some reason yeah which is weird because it's like no one outside say yeah. hey you can't do that because i'm assuming bouncers are like yeah this is a little suspicious yeah like take your hoodie off yeah yeah I don't know. <laughs> so he somehow enters the club um, without anyone stopping him and then goes up into the VIP room. Now, meanwhile, Fly is already in there and notices someone with a bag. Yeah, so he thinks that the bag is the it's, bag he's looking for yeah. and that the guy is the 
is the guy that he's supposed to meet. Yeah, and then the other guy notices Fly staring at him. Because yeah. it's not like he's being subtle. He's literally staring like, at him. Yeah, like like mad-dogging him. Like, yeah. Just, like, staring him down. So then the guy's like, oh, I got a gun. And then, like, orders his bodyguard to kind of go up to him. Yeah. Who's also, it's like, hey, I got a gun, too. Yeah. It's just weird. And then Stanley comes into the room and then somehow the bodyguard is like, oh, sir, you're not allowed to be here. Yeah. And then it just ruins the whole situation because Fly's like, oh, that's him. Yeah. And then starts shooting up the place. As soon as he pulls out his gun, the other guy pulls out his gun and then just the yeah. that happens. Yeah. Um, so Stanley and Dennis take down the other guys while Fly uh, cowards in a corner. Stanley confronts Fly, saying that he wasn't that it wasn't an accident, and Fly or uh, Fly was ordered uh, to kill his wife. Yeah, basically, yeah, uh, and basically asks Fly like tells him, "Hey, tell me who hired you for the hit on my wife." Fly tells him that it was Lemmy K. Stanley kills him and leaves with Dennis. However, Lemmy's men come in with guns, you know, guns blazing, and another shootout happens. Stanley and Dennis escape that shootout too. As they uh, recover in Dennis's apartment, Dennis tells Stanley to cash in all his chips and stop. <laughs> but Stanley refuses to back down. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Abby is packing up and then tries to get her son ready, like the fucking loud kid. They'd be like, hey, like, come on, let's go. And then the kid's just like, well, I don't want to go. And then he's like, well, you know, I mean, we're going to go to the hotel room that has a pool. And then he's like, yay. I'm like, fuck you, Jacob. Yeah, fuck that kid. (laughs) And then somehow they have this, like, weird person. I'm not sure if it's, like, a nanny or, like, a babysitter. But remember, there was that weird woman just standing there. Who was she? I have no idea. Again, no one mentions her at all. Yeah. (laughs) Stanley goes back to his house to look through Vivian's paperwork. And he listens to a voicemail from someone claiming that they have to use the numbers approved by the governor. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Lemmy K and his right-hand man break into Abby's house while Stanley is at his house yeah. looking through stuff. And they order Abby to call her dad. She goes to the kitchen to kind of call her dad. Yeah. But then notices a knife and then tries to fight back, causing, I'm assuming, the babysitter to basically be shot and killed by yeah. Lemmy. So Stanley heads to Abby's house after he receives a text from her. And he tells Dennis that something's wrong because she called her son Joey, not Jimmy, in the text. Yeah. (laughs) And then he sends the address to Dennis in two seconds while driving and without a fucking car accident. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll I'll send you the address. And then he does it. He's like, okay, I just sent it. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> this is not how 50-year-old people do. Yeah. It's like, oh, is he a master, like, technologist now? He knows how to text with this, like, one hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Stanley makes it to the house and enters through the basement window, being all cool and everything. Uh, he kills Lemmy's guy, but stops when Lemmy holds Abby at gunpoint. 
and Stanley tells Lemmy that he promised not to shoot him, causing him to step away, revealing Dennis at a nearby building with a sniper rifle. <laughs> so, Dennis shoots Lemmy in the shoulder, causing one of Lemmy's men to go to the back mm-hmm. because there was like this guy just randomly standing outside, just what you know, kind of being a lookout. He hears a gunshot, goes to the back where Dennis is, and then tries to shoot him. And then I shit you not, like Dennis is trying to fall down the stairs, but you could tell that it's staged. Yeah. Because you could tell that Christopher Maloney is like literally pushing him down the stairs as he's rolling. Yeah. And I was like, this is so funny. He's rolling down. Down, yeah. It's like one of the better choreographed scenes of the movie, for sure. Yes, yes. (laughs) Dennis rolls down the stairs and then kills the guy with one shot. Uh, Stanley holds Lemmy at gunpoint and orders him to tell him who ordered the hit. Yeah. And let's just point out that this is so late into the movie and he's still trying to find out who put out the hit. Yeah. Like, he should have found that out that, like, in the first act. <laughs> like, come on. So, Lemmy is shot by someone off camera who is revealed to be Gibson. Gibson asks Stanley if he wants to do it the easy way or the hard way. And then, I guess Stanley is like the hard way. Yeah. So, Gibson also notes that he brought Walker as his backup. And then Stanley says, oh, so did I, causing Dennis to show (laughs) up and take down Walker. Yeah, that's a real moment from, like, vice principals. Do you feel about, do you feel bad about shooting me? Well, so am I. (laughs) That's what that moment felt like. Yeah. (laughs) Stanley handcuffs Gibson to his steering wheel and orders him to drive to the governor's mansion. Uh, he also left Walker in the trunk. <laughs> Which is funny because Walker's like, let me out, let me out. And he's driving a car that yeah. has a safety feature where you literally can pull down this lever. Yeah. And it will open. Yeah, it'll open the trunk, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very weird. No one thought about just yeah. how you know advanced technology is yeah <laughs> uh so once they get in stanley knocks gibson out because gibson is like oh there's like too many people here you're not going to like get yeah. get away with this so he knocks him down <laughs> yeah. and then gibson wakes up i'm assuming minutes later to find out that all the guards are taken down <laughs> and have been subdued yeah he also notices that there are matches near the gas tank. So he tries to get out. Meanwhile, Walker is like, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you can't breathe, then why are you fucking saying? <laughs> like, I don't know. Open the fucking... Li- open your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, freaking look around. Open your get eyes. The- pull the lever. It's like you're a cop. You should be trained to understand like how to... Deal with situations yeah. like this. I'm sorry, but this is very stupid. Have you lost all of your training? Yeah. Did you, like, get handcuffed, put in a trunk? It's like, oh, well, this is my life. Yeah. 
Walker somehow manages to open his eyes and then open the trunk, but as he's getting out, the car explodes. Yep. <laughs> when that happens, Stanley enters the mansion and takes down two men, and just as he has the upper hand, Masurve is coming down the stairs, and then he shoots him down, and the two yeah. like kind of have like a scuffle. And after a small talk... Stanley stabs Maserve in yeah. like the stomach or the side, and Maserve falls and he's like, "Who are you?" Yeah. And then... Easily the best line of the movie. Yeah, Stanley is looking out into the you know like on this patio door. He's looking out there. Yeah. And you can see his reflection, and he says. I am wrath, and oh, it looks like he's about to cry. <laughs> oh, God. He finally let it out. Yeah, it's like I'm wrath. <laughs> Upon the children on the streets, the young men in groups, the elders, and the, older, and and the, <laughs> the old and the aged. <laughs> After he says that, cops arrive and they order Stanley to come out of the house. Yeah. And it seems like Stanley's going to surrender, but then he pulls a gun, causing the officers to shoot him. But then he survived because he, he had... Survives a, that somehow. Yeah, because he has a bullet vest. But I'm like, dude, you you got... You were taking, like, 20 bullets. Yeah. And all that was left was, like, five bullets just perfectly. Yeah, like, and all of them on your chest. None of them at your, like, yeah. head or eye. Like, yeah. You know. So, three days later, Stanley is at the hospital in stable condition, but he is under arrest. Abby and Mormon Mike arrive, and they are noted by the doctor uh, and the lawyer that Stanley is going to be transferred to a federal hospital because he has charges against him murdering the governor. Yeah. Uh, Abby and Mormon Mike are ordered to leave because visiting hours are over, causing Abby to break through <laughs> through the cop and the lawyer and the doctor to get to Stanley just to say, I love you, Dad. I love you, Papa. Yeah. And before leaving, uh, well, before, like, you know, being asked to leave and kind of then, Dra- like... Dragged away. Yeah. So that night, Walker, now with minor burns on his face, for someone who literally was, like, inches from an explosion, somehow only had facial burns. Minor burns, yeah. Yeah. He pretends to be one of the guards that are replacing the other guards for the night shift. Yeah. And while he, you know, tells the others, like, oh, like, give me some coffee... He goes inside Stanley's room and try and tries to shoot him. Yeah. But Stanley shoots Walker, and with the gun that Abby gave him secretly when she was like busting through. Mm-hmm. So Dennis comes out through the curtain, claiming that he killed Walker, and then they kind of bigger as Dennis pushes Stanley in a wheelchair away, and then months later. You think that it's over, but it's not. Abby receives a postcard from Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil, mm-hmm. with like Stanley saying that he is alive and well and thanks her for helping him out. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the film. Yeah. 
so this movie like ended like three times it felt like yes you know it was like oh okay so it's over oh no it's not oh they're they're gonna do this ending oh, okay no no wait oh they're gonna do this other like cliche ending oh no never mind they gotta oh. like hey they gotta like check mark all of those cliches in order to be completed yeah so what did you think about the characters um is there like one that you want to talk about obviously like the most enjoyable one is uh christopher maloney's character like he's like you could tell he's obviously just having fun with the movie so and he knows what kind of movie it's gonna be so he's just like haha i'm this is fun right uh and the saddest is just john travolta because he's like acting like it's a serious movie you know he's taking it very serious and it's like no no one else is taking it as seriously as he was and like no one else was as good of an actor as him and the production value wasn't good enough for uh, yeah for for him to shine really yeah i agree i feel that in my opinion i I think that john travolta thought that this film was going to make him his second comeback yeah because he was i think in my opinion uh, because he saw John Wick and how Keanu Reeves immediately got back. Yeah, like it like completely revived his career. Yeah, it, that like brought up the Matrix Four for, for God's sake. Like yeah, even though the third one was really bad. Yeah, <laughs> and definitive and and like it ended. Yeah, um, so because of that, I think he thought that oh, like if I do something like this you know like john wick yeah then i will you know get my second comeback and you know people will respect me more (laughs) and you know i think because he was trying so hard and in comparison to the production value and how it was shot in fucking ohio you know yeah it's like yeah this isn't going to be a great film yeah you're shooting in ohio (laughs) yeah and you you could tell like you could yeah kind of obvious that it was like okay this is some like not the best place yeah you know what i mean for this type of movie yeah and i think like dennis was my favorite character mainly because like you know you could tell that christopher maloney yeah you know, he knew that it wasn't going to be a great film. So he was like, yep, I'm going to give my best three minutes. And yeah. the rest is just hearsay. Yeah, the rest is just me. I'm here. I'll read the lines. Yeah. yeah. But I just love it that you could tell that he just put in a comedic spin on his dialogue. Yeah. You know, he's like, I heard about Vivian. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? You don't say hi, what's yeah. up? Who it's been a long time. Who starts a conversation time. like that. But also, um, the character for, for Fly, like, that guy is in, of course, a lot of, like, crappier movies. I mean, honestly, I would say that his performance was pretty decent from, like, the amount of, like, and... you know, production value that he had to deal with. And I think he did a pretty good job. Sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it was, like, award-winning performance, but I'm like, yeah, he did what he needed to do type of thing. It's just, like, he's tried, like, every role I've seen him in, he plays, like, the bad guy, but he's not really that, I don't buy him as, like, the gangster type. Like, he doesn't seem like that bad of a dude. 
It's like, no, you were you weren't the like troublemaker kid in high school. You were like the popular kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think it's kind of funny that he has a fly tattoo. And then I'm over here. It's like, well, if there's going to be a copy version of I Am Wrath, is it going to be like a maggot? Or like. Yeah, I know. What just like. Like a fruit fly? Is that. Is yeah. <laughs> what did you think about. Uh, like the other characters? Like, I mean, I know that you only saw them the, for like the a couple. The whole thing with Abby and. Uh, Mormon Mike and stuff that all like I didn't care for I was like okay like this movie doesn't need this yeah I kind of felt that Abby was a little weird to be the daughter cause she was like like what like a week into her after her mom died or something yeah, she already like, wants to get rid of her stuff she was over it she's like yeah let's just pack up all of her stuff like it's still out for some reason I yeah. thought I thought they like come and take it or something yeah it, it kind of felt like that she was waiting for the will to happen yeah you know that type of thing yeah and then you have mormon mike who's just you know like he you could tell that he really wanted to you know complete his mission yeah and go to like some part of the for world sure. to you know spread mormonism yeah <laughs> he's like i don't want to be with jacob yeah. who the fuck cares about jacob <laughs> oh um, and the last character I kind of want to talk about is the, I keep wanting to call him the general, but, uh, Governor Mercer, or whatever. Yeah. Um, he was just, like, that guy always plays the same character, but that character usually has different jobs. Sometimes he's a governor, sometimes he's, like, a representative, sometimes, uh, he's a general, sometimes he's, like, a sergeant, you know, whatever it calls for, but he always plays the same character where he's, like just like being an asshole oh yeah 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 i mean like i didn't really care for him i kind of feel like that he just had to be there because they needed more villains to make it seem like it's more in like death or something because the thing with um gibson and walker their like whole like sub uh, story or whatever um of like oh the cops that are just you know, they want to be good guys, but, you know, everyone's a bad cop now. Yeah. In this town, everyone's, you know, a bad cop. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Like, why are we getting into their story? Like, isn't this about uh, John Travolta? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, overall, what did you think about the film? It has its enjoyable moments. It's a f- movie that you can kind of, like, laugh at. Or laugh with, rather, because I'm sure some of the things that were bad, they knew it was bad. It was just like, that's what they could do. Um, Like, some of the effects are bad. Some of the fight scenes are bad. But that's what they could choreograph, so that's what they did. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's just so soulless. It's, like, obvious cash grab. And, you know, I'm sure the people that worked on it really cared. But, like, as far as the story or uh, any of that goes, it was just really bad. Yeah. Even technically, like, you and I were talking with the lighting in some of the scenes. It was just really bad. And I was like, ugh, like, I can tell something's wrong. And that always bothers me when I'm watching. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of feel like it's a type of film where you have to just agree and understand that this is a really bad film. Yeah. And that you just gotta, like, keep your expectations very, very low. 
um, to kind of enjoy this film. And it was kind of funny because I was like, oh, like, this would be a great Father's Day film. Yeah. Because this, like, I would say Stanley kind of reminds me of my dad. Yeah, definitely. Like, my dad would love this movie. Yeah. yeah. But it was funny because when I mentioned it to my dad on Father's Day, it's like, oh, ha-, you know, I I highly recommend watching I Am Wrath. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I hate that movie. And I'm like, okay, Dad, I was trying to make a, you know, a father-daughter relationship work, you know, to mend it. Yeah. And you just throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, I really think that's, it's, it's, it's bad. But uh, it has some funny moments. You just kind of have to look at them. I mean, like, as much as, like, how bad this film is, especially with other films that John Travolta has worked on in recent years, and same thing with uh, Steven Seagal. Yeah. That even though they're really bad, it's like, hey, at least, like, it helped, you know, pay some bills for some people. Yeah, you know? it's a project that a bunch of people worked on, and, you know, it created jobs and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all for that stuff. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, even though it was bad, I'm like, okay. They should keep making these because this is where people begin their acting careers, their directing careers. So yeah. I'm yeah, cinematography careers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's kind of it. Uh, if you guys could, if you guys could please follow us on Instagram uh, at J and M underscore podcast, uh, we'd really appreciate it. Um. Yeah. I will try to uh, get back to once a week mm-hmm. situation. So far, it's calmed down. So I promise I'll try my best. Yeah. It'll be a little bit more uh, consistent. consistent with our uploads. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so, yeah, thank you again for listening and hope you come back next week. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Okay, bye. Bye.